coming through in a clutch move. <laughs> Always have to have the right music for my next guest. I told him off air. It's, it's a lot of pressure, but somehow... I always try to come up with something that he would enjoy. My next guest, who is, well, he's locked in for, I t actually, I told him, you're locked in for eternity. <laughs> However long that is, I don't know. But uh, at least here on Earth. Adam Schwarzy, retired Navy SEAL officer and United States Marine. Highly decorated combat veteran with expansive international experience and a lifelong servant leader. He's, and you know what? You may have heard me introduce him before, but it's worth repeating. I, I think he's, in, in my mind, in my eyes, he's a rock star. He's deployed nine times and traveled to over 90 countries. I've traveled to one country so far in my life. Isn't that pitiful? Uh, anyway, he's traveled to over 90 countries in service to our nation. He received his master's degree from Harvard in international relations, completed additional coursework to receive additional master's certificates in international security and in nuclear deterrence from Harvard. I'm not worthy. Adam is, has completed his master's, his MBA, and wrapping up his master's in government at Johns Hopkins. In his 21-year career, probably need to update that too, I suppose. Is it 22 years now, Adam? has experience working with multiple U.S. agencies in conducting direct action combat, intelligence, stability, peacekeeping, and humanitarian missions around the world. Adam, how the heck are you on this Fab Friday? Good morning, Meg. Thanks again for having me. You got the air guitar going? Is this all right? Black Sabbath? Yeah, you can play Ozzy the whole time. I'm not worthy to talk over Ozzy. All right. Well, you know what? We Oh, come on now. Have you seen Ozzy lately? It's it's kind of a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so I know that we exchanged messages uh, during uh, earlier this week, and I'm not sure if you were able to uh, listen to at least the exchange, somewhat of an exchange, and, and I'll tell you, the person who tipped me off to this was Senator Ron Johnson himself, and, and he had a, uh, well, he participated in a spaces with uh, with uh, Elon Musk, one of the people that was part participating in this on X, and uh, Senator Johnson, if you can believe it, he said to me, and I don't think he'll mind that I shared this with you, but he said, he said I was so uh, complimented and honored that Elon Musk uh, is, was in support of of my assessment of what's what's going on in Ukraine, and I said, oh my gosh, he's so humble, and 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 I said, well, hey. I, in my eyes, and in the eyes of many here in Wisconsin, and I would probably say that extends to Minnesota, at least to my guest, that we think that Ron Johnson is a rock star in his own. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I'll say this, too. And in, in fact, at some point, perhaps, during the course of the morning, maybe we'll, we'll play a bit of the clip. But let's dive into the issue of, of Ukraine. And, and let's start by, I want to ask you, have you had a chance to watch that interview between Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin? I have not watched the interview, and I didn't watch the clip either between uh, Senator, Honorable Senator Ron Johnson, Elon. I saw the uh, the, the blurb, the write-up that you sent me. I didn't know there was an actual live. Uh, so I'm going to have to do both my, my homework on both of those. Well, you know what, frankly, I'll, I'll tell you is, is I'll, I'll, you know, I, I may, I mean, because it's like three minutes long, and it's worth playing for our listeners and for you and then you can comment on it on the fly yeah but, appreciate and, and I'll, appreciate you know, the front load yeah and i'll get that i'll get that fired up but in the meantime i mean we can start out by talking about 
this, well, I, I guess this never-ending flush of money that is being sent to Ukraine, taxpayer money, and really with no, I mean, there's no plan from the Biden administration or Democrats. There's no end in sight. I mean, that's kind of their philosophy when it comes to spending in general, isn't it? Right. Well, true enough. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what's what's troubling. And, and you know, I've asked Senator Johnson this question many times when he's been on the show. What gives? What gives with Democrats? All of a sudden they're pro-war? How, how, when did this happen? When did this transformation happen? Uh, it was, well, since 9-11, honestly, there was as many uh, liberals signed on to the invasion of Iraq than, than conservatives. It became like a neoconservative movement with, you know, a lot of other plans to invade other countries throughout the world in the Middle East. But it was actually the liberal uh, mind of thinking is why we went to invade Iraq, which is interesting if you think about, you know, Democrats or liberals or not. But even like Hillary Clinton was was on board with uh, going to war with Iraq because, you know, on the surface level, it's all about the warm, touchy, we want to instill democracy and help, you know, institutionalize, you know, Western freedoms, but the the deep-seated underbelly, which is truth, and I'm not going to be conspiracy theorist, but we are a military-industrial complex, and um, so that is, is, is a real thing. Is you know, constitutionally, we even sell our arms to other countries before we sell them to ourselves. That's kind of wild to think about. We we actually do that, and it's in our it's in our constitution, and, and Congress enforces that that we actually sell arms to other countries before ourselves. Gosh, it's just it's so. I mean. I, you know, I was aware of that, but to actually hear someone say it out loud, I mean, it's just, it, it's its maddening. And the idea that we are, that that tax, I mean, it's not as if the government is having yard sales and, you know, a lemonade stand to raise money to support all of this. I mean, this is taxpayer money. Yeah. It, 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 it boggles the mind. Okay, so... Um, Modern technology, and you know, a little, a, a quick little uh, uh, search online, and I was able to pull up this uh, this audio clip of Senator Johnson and then Elon Musk's response to it. So I'm going to play it, and then I want to uh, get your reaction to it. So it's just, it's about, it's a couple minutes. So hold, here it is. Well, first of all, I think we all have to understand that Vladimir Putin will not lose this war. I, I say it that way as opposed to Ukraine can't win. Vladimir Putin will not lose. Losing to Vladimir Putin is existential to Vladimir Putin. They have, Russia has exactly. four times the population. They have a much larger industrial base. Again, I said Russia can produce 4.5 million of those shells a year. We're not even up to a million a year. The average age of a Ukrainian soldier right now is 43 years old. And David, I heard you uh, quote the Time Magazine article. There are other quotes from some of, tops, some of Zelensky's top aides uh, say that even if the U.S. and its allies come through with all the weapons they have pledged, quote, we don't have the men to use them, unquote. So the fact of the matter is, if you're worried about the people of Ukraine, you have to understand that probably about 100,000 of their soldiers have been killed. Has there been about 100,000 Russian conscripts? I take no joy in that. 40,000 civilians, hundreds of billions of dollars of Ukraine has been destroyed. The only way this war ends is in a settlement and every day that the war goes on, more Ukrainians, more Russian conscripts die, more civilians die, more of Ukraine gets destroyed, they'll have to be built. So, again, sending $60 billion as added fuel to the flames of a bloody stalemate makes no sense whatsoever 
as evil a war criminal as Putin is, he's not going to lose this war. And our colleagues here just aren't willing to accept that reality. And they're living in a fantasy world, think that Ukraine can win this thing. They can't. David, that's exactly right. I think that that, that, that is an excellent summary. This of is the Musk right here. The, you know, when I raised this, this point, people, of course, accused me of being some sort of Putin apologist, um, when, when in fact, um, my companies have probably done more to make, I mean, <laughs> undermine Russia than, any, than anything. Um, I mean, Sp SpaceX is, has taken away two thirds of the Russian launch business. Um, the Starlink has uh, overwhelmingly helped uh, Ukraine. Um, I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's such an absurd uh, accusation. My concern is exactly what you articulated. Um, if you have an, an extended war of attrition, every day that goes by, there are Ukrainian boys that are, and not even boys anymore, because they're running out of boys. Um, that you're, you're losing, Ukraine is losing people every day. And if, if you're going to spend lives, it must be for a purpose. Uh, and not, not just, uh, you know, a, a mile here, a mile there. In fact, a mile ba back and forth. The lines aren't moving. So just every day people die. For what purpose? And, and as you said, there is no way in hell that, that Putin is, is going to lose. If, if, if he were to back off, he would be assassinated. Um, and for those who want regime change in Russia, they should think about who is the person that could take out Putin? And is that person likely to be a peacenik? Probably not. Okay, so that was obviously an exchange between Senator Ron Johnson and Elon Musk. Adam, I mean, the, I'll, I'll just tell you this, and then we can kind of kick off this discussion. Uh, I did watch, oh, it was a long history lesson on Russia that I wasn't anticipating, but I did watch the, the interview between Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, and I'll just succinctly summarize it for you. Ultimately, if he's, unless he's lying, Putin said in that interview he wants a peace settlement. I don't see, I don't see any plan from the United States to encourage a peace settlement. Do you? I do not. And I think that is should be the role of the United States in this matter, is to be pushing for a soft power solution. And when I say soft power, I don't want to, you know, knock on the listeners, but generally there's there's hard power, which is, you know, us military might inter intervening with military. And there's soft power, which is diplomatic, uh, you know, foreign aid, sanctions, things of that nature. And we should obviously not be going hard power toe to toe with another uh, hegemon in the region. They're obviously not the United States, world hegemon, but we don't want to get into another war that, you know, Biden's already got us into two of them. Um, but, but we do want to be pushing for peace via soft power. And, and I do think that most of those statements by Senator Johnson and, and Elon Musk are right on the, on the mark, specifically what should be our strategy be, and that should be pushing for peace. Well, and, and I mean, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Biden administration and whether or not they are forward thinking enough to come up with an exit strategy. Because look, I mean, let, let's just take a walk down memory lane and look at how miserably we exited out of Afghanistan. Yeah, I, I guess the difference there would be we were the, the nation involved. We were the primary actor in Afghanistan, and that was an absolute disaster. But what people also need to realize is that both Russia and Ukraine are sovereign nations. And other than, you know, real power, hard power going in there with military, we only can use coercive soft power. And so it's not our responsibility to get Zelensky to come up with a peace plan that Russia agrees to. But it is our responsibility to protect our own resources 
And I think that's where both Senator Johnson and Elon raise a good point is if, if we're if we're continuing to fund this, we're not on the correct moral side of it. Uh, regardless of strategy, we're funding ongoing loss of life. Yeah, I mean, the gravy t- train has to come to an end, or I mean, it's it's got to come to a stop. You know, and that's I think that's the part that I I don't I don't even know if we have any business giving Ukraine or Zelensky any advice about an exit strategy. Well, in, in, and, and I mean, it does have to involve the United States having conversations with Putin. And as far as I'm concerned, the only conversations that have happened are between Tucker Carlson, a journalist, and uh, and Putin. Otherwise, I, I don't. I mean, I think during the course of the interview, uh, um, Tucker did ask Putin if he talked with Biden, and I think that there was some. There's been some exchange of phone conversation, but it hasn't. It, it hasn't been recently. I'll be honest, Meg, uh, the Biden administration, in my humble opinion, is so bad, especially in foreign policy. I almost would rather us not be involved and have another nation take over. Can you honestly, can you imagine President Biden right now sitting across from the table and trying to negotiate, uh, you know, how this ends with Ukraine? I mean, just like a week ago, he was talking about how he negotiated the Mexican border to be opened up to the Gaza Strip. Uh, citing a French dead president, like I mean, yeah, I know. that 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 would be very worrisome. And I, I'm speaking only half in jest because I know it would be, uh, you know, Tony Blinken, our, our you know, sex state, um, but he is also a career of poor um, negotiation. So I, I really it makes me very worried to think about what this administration would do if it got more involved. Okay, so who's who who what country could successfully do this? Is there I, one? I've stated all along that this whole Russian issue is one a part of President Biden taking off, taking the U.S. off of energy independence. Um, but two, equally as important, it's Western Europe not defending their region. Uh, you know, all those countries that Trump, you know, not so eloquently put on blast about not paying their fair share of their 2% GDP towards NATO, but they've just been weak and they've capitulated to Russia and they've also taken on Russia, made themselves reliant on Russian energy, which makes them vulnerable from a national security standpoint. So it's kind of twofold. Western Europe made themselves vulnerable to national security because they were reliant on, on Russian resources, Russian fuel, and they also didn't have adequate security. So this should be a, 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 as this should be as from a foreign policy directive. This should be the U.S. putting pressure on Western Europe to do more. Well, and I also during the course of this interview, it was revealed. And again, I mean, listen, uh, and and I know. Tucker Carlson made this explicitly clear. He's not a sh- he's not a shill for Putin, nor am I. But what Putin stated is that Boris Johnson had to do with uh, screwing up any peace settlement that uh, was supposed that could have occurred before all this conflict began between Ukraine and Russia. And and supposedly, at least according to Putin, Boris Johnson screwed it up. Yeah, uh, this. What I guess I disagree with about um, Senator Johnson, Elon Musk's comments is Russia is paying a, a toll. Although oh, they, for sure. they correctly they cited you know the four times larger population, but both sides are almost completely out of what we'd call military age males. Um, you know, I think there was cited that Ukraine has is like the median fighting age of forty three, but Russia has had to drop down its compulsory inscription age to twenty seven, and then they raised their 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 cap to, to seventy years old. So essentially, anybody between 27 and 70 is, is ripe for uh, for plucking for for fighting. 
Um, so I think Russia is pain, but the, the real, the aha moment that I wanted to take away from this and, and provide to you and, and the listeners and the American public is, it won't surprise you because we've had many talks about this, is the real enemy in this whole thing is China. Um, and I'm happy to break that down, but that's, that's the real aha that wasn't addressed in that discussion, and it really needs to be made apparent for, for, for American listeners. Oh. Okay, so great, great topic to segue into after this news break. In the meantime, and, and I mean, I want to follow up with you on this because there's, there's a, a point that I want to make about this, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you in, in between, during the break. Um, so I, I spoke about this before the news break, and I don't know if I, I would characterize this, or before you came on this morning, um, and I don't want to characterize this as lighthearted because there's nothing lighthearted about that stupid show called The View with those uh, cackling, uh, I don't know, women that know nothing about politics. Um, according to Joy Bihar, and you know, I know, perish the thought of even in envisioning her in your mind's eye, um, she claims that if Trump is elected, Putin will invade Europe and the United States will bring the draft back. And, you know, my question to our listeners was, how does Joy Behar get this information? And, and I mean, how is she, uh, I mean, obviously, consider consider the source, but also consider the viewers. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that she's making comments like that to her audience, and then that's sort of reaching mainstream uh, viewers is very concerning because it's not, I don't I don't agree that that's what's going to happen, but this is a scare tactic that the left loves to use. Yeah, if that's a question towards me, I would say <laughs> I would rebut by saying, you know, the view is obviously a propaganda machine, as is the, the mainstream and left-wing media. I would say the, the, the shining light on that is America is starting to get wise to, to, to just the propaganda and, like, the viewership of the view is sinking the viewership of even – you know, MSNBC, but also CNN has, you know, dwindled by, by millions of viewers. So, and, and if you look, you know, I'm not like an alt-right or right-wing, but if you look, you know, Fox News, you know, which is center-right, is, is gaining almost the same amount of viewership. So it's not like they're going to like streaming services, um, but but Fox is now the number one by far rated news, and it's because people are, are, are getting privy to the, the propaganda they're being fed. Well, and, and I would argue that maybe they don't, they don't, uh, make it that clear, but perhaps the view is brought to you by the military industrial complex. <laughs> I mean, who I do have a, I do have a plug though for you, for your listeners before we, you go to your break. Okay. It's, um, the former Marine in me, uh, it's called war is racket. It's like only like 45 pages long. It was written by a former Marine Corps general called Smedley Butler, who, uh, you know, won the, sorry, received, earned the, the medal of honor, a really a, a bad a, dude, a, a straight-up gangster warfighter, and he has a book that he wrote back in, like, you know, 1940 about how war is corrupt, and, and it's a racket, but it's 45 pages long, but, you know, written in, like, the 40s. Oh my Meg, gosh. you think it was written, like, yesterday. It's it's a, a, should be a must-read for like prophetic, evidently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, must-read. Well, and, and I mean, I, I can't argue with any of it. The more the more the older i get the more i realize that all of this is about the almighty dollar i mean we could i mean let's face it i think realistically the view is brought to you by the biopharmaceutical complex that's that's not even uh, you know being facetious because i think that the overwhelming 
uh, amount of commercials on any television show on mainstream media is brought to you by Big Pharma. And, and I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah. All right. So um, hold tight. Uh, we will continue our conversation. I am looking forward to, uh, you know, believe it or not, looking forward to uh, delving into the topic of China with my guest this morning, my regular guest into eternity, Adam Schwarzy, retired Navy SEAL officer in the United States Marine. Stay tuned on the Meg Ellison Show on WSAU.